Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. He has the same number of all pro seasons as Julian Edelman. All right, Bill's Mafia, how are we doing today, you beautiful bunch of maniacs? Thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. I hope you have a great Memorial Day, and let's remember why we have uh, this holiday those who paid the price for our freedoms, but let's go ahead and get started. This week will be a little bit of a shorter pod. I had a couple of guests who were kind of loosely scheduled to make the pod this week. They weren't able to get it done in time. Uh, Looking to reschedule and get those guys back in the coming weeks. Uh, But I'm really excited about some potential guests I have coming up for the following. I do not want to jinx that at this point, Um, but diving into the Bills news. Obviously, OTAs started this week. The big news out of this group was that Star Latulue was not in attendance. Uh, Now, Star was by far not the only person that didn't show up. Uh, Diggs was not there. Motor was not there. Tywa Jones was not there. Mitch Trubisky didn't show up. Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, to name a few, uh, at least on the first day. Um, And it's generally not a big deal. I'm not here to sound the alarm when players don't show up to OTAs, but I really, really strongly prefer players to make the effort to show up. I know it's voluntary and you can quote that at me on Twitter and all you want. I understand what that means. I say that it is a team environment. It is a culture environment. I really feel better when everybody buys in and that's not a realistic thing. I don't think it's ever happened. I, it could have, but I, I don't think it's ever happened where everybody showed up. But guys like Starla Tule, who did not play last year, who are aging, who are on the other side of 30 and who have giant contracts, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of curious about why he decided to not show up. Now, I know there's a lot of talk about the vaccines and uh, the players that may or may not have them, uh, and that could play some roll into his decision, I suppose. If we knew for sure that there were more vaccinated players, maybe that makes him more um, amiable to showing up. But I don't know that to be the case. I'm I'm just kind of speculating here, but I would have liked to see that. Uh, I don't even know if that factored into his decision making, but we still don't know what kind of shape Star is in. And as we've talked about for weeks now, Star is a big part of this defense. And Star coming back anything close to what he was, although he was not perfect, anything close to what he was in the 2019 season would be a huge boon to this defense. I think guys like Tremaine Edmonds uh, are going to benefit from him. I think Ed Oliver will benefit from him coming back anything close. And I think Trey White will benefit from that as well. So I'm extremely disappointed. I would have liked to see Motor there. That to me says I feel like Motor feels like his roster spot is pretty secure. And I know that doesn't really factor into these decision things, but showing up and putting the work in with your teammates does have some value. And for guys like Diggs, 
it's not going to affect his season stats. It's just not. I know he's working out and he's supposedly uh, doing all the right things in Florida. That's wonderful. I just wonder if something like that would have effect on some younger guys trying to make the roster and, uh, you know, kind of being a leader and kind of setting the precedent and setting the example for these younger guys. And it probably means nothing. It means probably next to nothing. But uh, that's that's just how I feel about OTAs. Uh, I'd rather have everybody show up, but it's not a huge deal. I'm not sounding the alarm. Just a small observation. But veterans not showing up to OTAs is not something new. It's been happening for a while, as I mentioned. In fact, Russell Wilson has not been showing up for his OTAs as well. And Russell Wilson is... He's that guy. Yeah, he's a top five quarterback in the league. And, you know, he's, yeah, there's some disgruntledness, I guess, or at least some kind of disconnect going on with the Seahawks organization and him right now. I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but, you know, he's not showing up. He's going to be fine this year. Um, but Aaron Rodgers not showing up, who has been a consistent presence in these OTAs. Well, that's a big deal. Um Sounds like the Packers are kind of standing firm on that. They are, they're not going to trade him. They're going to make him retire or sit out the year, in which case they're going to collect a bunch of money back. I believe it's something like $23 million uh, because of unearned signing bonuses. So, um, you know, they still have all the cards technically, you know, I, Aaron Rodgers could decide he's done with football and retire and pay that money because he's made so much money elsewhere, and that's fine. I don't think it's likely. I think he's making a big deal. He's trying to force his way out. But if I'm the Packers, I say the same thing. I'm not ready to trade my franchise quarterback, and you can set out if you like. Um, I'm going to call your bluff, but uh, I, I still have all the cards. Kind of the same way I feel about Deshaun Watson. In other Bills news, Bills tight end. Dawson Knox has agreed to attend what is known as Tight End U or Tight End University. Tight End University was formed by Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, along with uh, former NFL tight end Greg Olson. Um, what is called a summit for NFL's top players. And somehow Dawson Knox got an invite to this, uh, but apparently they're all going to meet in Tennessee, along with other Tight ends such as Darren Waller, Noah Fant, Zach Ertz, Mark Andrews, Mike Gusecki, John New Smith, Eric Ebron, TJ Hawkinson, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry. So a really strong list of NFL tight ends getting together and working out and pooling knowledge. Look, I know there's a lot of Dawson Knox supporters out there and they plug their ears every time I have something negative to say about him. But I have to believe if Dawson Knox doesn't take a step to even being, I don't even call him a respectable NFL Titan right now. I don't think he's at that level. I think he's backup level, maybe even third string. Um, the potential's there, but if he's not taking a step this year, where are we at? We're, we have to move on from him. We'll roll with Jacob Hollister. I think um, now Jacob Hollister isn't a world beater. And I don't expect him to put up 800 yards and eight touchdowns or something like that. But, you know, I, I do expect him to be more consistent on a week-to-week basis than Dawson Knox. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for him. It's Dawson Knox's spot to lose. Um, so there's got to be a lot of pressure on him. But uh, that's just something to keep an eye on. If he's getting tips and working out with guys like that and he can't take the step this year, then we have to start wondering if he can take the step. Um, it's 
very big news that Tim Tebow was back in the NFL as a tight end. I don't think he's going to make the final roster, but the fact that he's just in there uh, getting a shot, working out with other people in the league, I think says something along with Kelvin Benjamin, a former wide receiver who is going to have to learn how to play tight end uh, at the highest level, kind of on the fly. So if they can do it, why can't Dawson Knox do it? In other news, the NFL Players Union and the NFL owners have agreed to a salary cap ceiling for the 2022 se- uh, season. Uh, they're going to set that at uh, just over $200 million. And this is good news because they're at least looking at some of the revenue and projected revenue and uh, starting to heal from this past season. And the amount of revenue that the league had lost uh, for the 2020 season was scheduled to be spread out. Uh, as I mentioned last week, this was going to have residual effects, not even going to next year, but perhaps uh, 2023. And last year, they, they could have dropped the cap even further. Uh, so they didn't drop it as much as they should have and good for the league. So they agreed to spread those losses out over the next few seasons. It looks like they're starting to have a plan to maybe get some of that stuff back to normal. Uh, if they're talking about salary ceilings is what I should say. That doesn't mean what the cap limit is going to be. That's just a salary ceiling. Um, it's likely going to be less than that, but it still would represent a sizable jump from where it was this year. Um, Things like that make me, you know, obviously we have to sign guys like uh, maybe Tremaine Edmonds, of course, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs has got his hand out, but I'm also usually a little bit more of a conservative person when it comes to giving up assets and taking on additional contracts. For example, Zach Ertz, um, this kind of news would make me slightly more open to it, but, you know, still have to fit his salary in for this year. Uh, whatever the cap is next year. And we still don't know what the cap is, but that still doesn't help us in the 2021 season. But um, maybe you can restructure an extra guy or two and have a little bit more room. I'm still very uh, bullish on it. And I'm I'm still not super interested if it happened. Yeah, I could probably be open to it. I'd be much more open to that though than I would a Julio Jones trade. My man, caveman, Michael Lisman put out a great video on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. Please go check that out. Uh, he makes a very impassioned argument for Zach Ertz. Um, he'd be happy to know that I'm leaning towards Ertz. I don't really want either. And it's not that I don't respect the players, it's resource allocation. Uh, but he'd be happy to know that I'd be leaning that way. But go watch his video, he does a great job. You can find him on the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel. Michael Lisman, the caveman, I highly recommend it. In other news, the league is actually making some changes to the way teams do their cutdowns to the final 53 roster. In recent years, they've just been required to do it all at once. Um, Teams generally don't. They usually do it in phases anyway. Um, But it does result in a bunch of transactions at once. And I feel like this could be... Um, a strategic move by the union so that you can get players uh, homes, you know, a little bit easier instead of having to compete all at once with all the extra players. I don't really know. Um, I guess that doesn't have to be right. I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, but instead the league will require players to have all their cuts made 
uh, by August 31st. So in the month of August, they'll start at 90. And by August 31st, they'll be down to their final 53. They'll go from 90 to 85 to 80, and then all the way down to 53. Remember, there's only three preseason games. Um, so those games are going to matter much, much more to those end of the roster guys. And I'm always the guy who I get really excited for the preseason games because NFL football, I watch the first couple of drives and then I'm tired of it and I'm done with it and I want real football. But I always force myself to watch because I want to have a little bit of a stronger opinion on those end of the roster guys. Um, there's only three of them this year. Those games are going to mean a lot. They're going to mean a lot. Um, it could even have implications for Dawson Knox, possibly. Uh, of course, you know, the, all the other position battles that are going on. But um, players that are kind of on the roster bubble are going to have to fewer chances, really, to shine in game situations. So my guy, Jay Spencer King, did an interview this week with Antonio Williams. Um, think about the pressure that's on that guy right now making the roster. Uh, they just signed Matt Breida. They have third-round picks invested in Devin Singletary and Zach Mott. So every single carry that guy gets is just going to be that much more important. And he's going to have to do the most with what he has. So, I mean, that's that's just a lot. It's a lot of pressure for me as a regular non-athlete um, to think that, you know, you get three preseason games and you take a couple carries and they don't go anywhere. You can start getting in your own head pretty quickly. But uh, go check out that interview um, from the Code of Conduct with Jay Spence King over on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. Hey, Jay Spence does a great job, and he did not shy away from asking some uh, kind of pointed questions. You know, he did it very tactfully, basically kind of trying to fill out his confidence level for making the team. And, of course, Antonio Williams had all the right things to say. But uh, I don't want to spoil the interview. Please go check him out as well. But anyway, yes, those... Preseason carries, um, any preseason snaps for these end-of-the-roster players are just going to be highly magnified because they're just going to have so much more few of them. They're going to have to really make uh, their chances count. And, you know, training camps, things that we don't see on camera, uh, every single practice snap and practice rep is going to matter just that much more. In other league news, you may remember Brandon Jacobs. Yes, that Brandon Jacobs, the one half of the thunder and lightning of the New York Giants backfield back in the mid-2000s. Huge running back. Uh, I believe it was 280 pounds. And, um, you know, I was always a fan of his. I liked him. I actually liked the Giants backfield back in those days. Well, he hasn't been in the league since 2013 when he really, um, he, he only appeared in seven games very sparingly. But um, he's 38 years old now thinking about making a comeback as a defensive end. He says that it's something that he could have done long ago, and he was inspired by Tim Tebow. And so he is, I guess, going to take the plunge and, and see if anybody will bite on him uh, as a defensive end. He still thinks he's in shape. He's in the same playing weight that he was when he was a running back, when he was a very big running back. Uh, he was a hard guy to bring down. But uh yeah, that's super interesting to me. I wish him the best. That's kind of a cool comeback story if if that works out. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think we're getting crazy here with like Tim Tebow coming back after being out of the league forever. And, you know, Brandon Jacobs, um, not saying I won't be rooting for him if it happens. I, just, it's, I think it's kind of a long shot, but kind of a fun story. Le'Veon Bell still thinks he has something to give to the league and he's hoping to get a, a spot on a roster this year. Um, you know, of course... He was a disaster with the Jets. Now, after he sat out that entire year with the Steelers, he did end up getting like 
I believe it was like $54 million from the Jets or something. And they gave him a ton of carries. Uh, you can make the argument that the Jets didn't have a very good offensive line. And uh, I'll listen to that. I'll listen to that. You know, but he did only average 3.2 yards a carry with his first year of the Jets. The Jets got rid of him uh, really quick last year. They cut him after just a couple of games. I believe he ended up catching on with the Chiefs because he tried to go the LaShawn McCoy route and see if he can snag another or uh, kind of coattail his way to a, a championship. But uh, that didn't work out for him. Uh, but I've never been a Le'Veon Bell fan. And that's not to say that I don't respect his talent. He was on a great offense. You know, had a good offensive line, Big Ben throwing the ball all over the place, throwing the ball to him a lot. He, he was a talented guy, but, you know, he sat out a whole season. And I, off the top of my head, I can't really think of very strong examples of where someone has had, like, these lengthy contract holdouts and signed contracts and especially for running backs, I, I guess specifically for running backs, came back and had uh, amazing seasons or been anything close to what they were before. Um, you know, I, I know LaDainian Tomlinson went to the Jeffs, but that wasn't really a holdout situation. And he was still somewhat effective, even if it wasn't like he was in his prime with San Diego. But um, I think of guys like Chris Johnson after that 2,000-yard season holding out and then never really getting back to those levels again. Um I don't know. I, I think running backs are the easiest position to replace. And, you know, when they're going to hold out and try to ask for the mega bucks, <laughs> that's a hard pass for me. And uh, I, I can't think of somebody off the top of my head. If you know who they are, if you have an example for me, please tweet at me. Let me know. Uh, in other news, the Bills did re-sign their long snapper, Reed Ferguson. As you know, he does have a brother in the league as well, but he will be excited through the 2024 season, another three-year deal. Not a sexy signing, but we don't necessarily uh, realize how important long snappers are. Uh, and, you know, it's not, it feels like it should be easy, but it's not. And when they make a mistake, it gets blown up big time. Uh, but Reed's a fun guy. He's always, uh, you know, a good follow on Twitter and he seems like a, a fun personality. So I'm glad he's around. You know, I don't have any big issues with him sticking around for another three years as a long snapper. In other news, yeah, more vaccination, uh, you know, news. Sean McDermott's concerned about the vaccine rates. He'd like to see more players get vaccinated. And, of course, that's not something you can force players to do. Um, not with a union, anyway. In, in a union environment, you can't force them to do that. Um, he really strongly wants to stress education and hoping that players will do the right thing. And listen, this isn't political. It doesn't have to be. This is about him not wanting to have a COVID breakout in the middle of a season. He wants everyone to be safe and vaccinated and have lesser risk so he can go about his job and the players can go about doing their job. You know, first of all, lesser restrictions, but also much more uh, safety cautious and there, there's a feeling of ease that might come for for instance maybe Starla Tuloy and you know again I don't know that for a fact I'm I'm just kind of speculating I don't have to be right about that but that's where he's coming from he would like to see more bills get vaccinated and if you thought you were going to get through this podcast without me talking about the Julio Jones trauma you were wrong that's the last thing I want to talk about this week um, I don't necessarily think I have to rehash some of my feelings on the Julio Jones trade um, I think it's a lot to give up and it's a lot of salary to take on because you're going to have to cut some players and that factors into the decision 
as compensation too. Now, I am not the only one that feels this way. I think most rational Bills fans are. Um, but there are other teams that in the league that feel this way too. Uh, for instance, the Browns have decided that they are not in the Julio Jones sweepstakes. They've decided that they uh, don't have any interest at all. I think at one point they were maybe considering an Odell Beckham swap, but that's not going to happen. Uh, New England is supposedly having some very mild interest, even though they have the salary cap room. That makes sense to me. They don't really feel like they're going to be a pass-heavy team. I know they want to be, according to Joe Marino last week, might want to take on a receiver or two to maybe possibly support Mac Jones in the future. Julio Jones doesn't have to be that guy. That feels like too much and uh, you know, too much for the Patriots anyway. Uh, the Titans, however, there are some that feel like they have offered a first-round pick. This is not reported as fact. I think this is speculated by some folks. But Atlanta is saying that they have received a first-round trade offer for Julio. Now, today is May 30th, and uh, we will probably know in a couple days what happens. But uh, it is, it's speculated that it could be the Titans. Now, think about that. The Titans would have Ryan Tannehill, who's very underrated. Check out his stats from last year. I did not, I historically have not given that guy enough credit, but he's been very good since he's been with Tennessee. And, um, you know, you have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones to go along with Derrick Henry. That's a scary team. That is a scary team. Uh, I would put them right up there with the Chiefs if that were to happen. Um, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that I bang in the table for Julio, let them pay the price, especially if it costs a first round pick. But uh, 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks are all supposedly interested as well. Um, but if the price on the table rumored to be a first round pick, that seems like it would knock those teams out anyway. And that's not to say they haven't had offers, uh, but I don't feel like they have a lot of first round capital to give. Uh, the 49ers give up most of that for Trey Lance. The Rams just never seem to want to even have a first-round pick. So maybe if they're trading like whatever year they're in now, 2023, uh, I suppose that could be true. But that that would be interesting as well. If you think about Matthew Stafford on that team with Julio Jones uh, and that defense, that would be super interesting. And it would be an all-in move basically for this year. And I, I don't think I'd hate it. Um, you're going to pay for it. You're definitely going to pay for it, but I'm not sure I hate that. Um, again, you have to figure out how to pay for that salary on that team. And I think they have a lot of problems. So I, I don't, I'm not sure that's likely, but that'd be super interesting. And, um, Seattle Seahawks who don't have a first round pick next year either. Uh, super, super interesting because you hear all the drama late last year about how they wanted to run the ball more. They basically did nothing to make that a reality, uh, they drafted another wide receiver in the second round. They, I think they only had three picks this year. Um, but if you could add Julio Jones to um, Lockett and, of course, DK Metcalf, is, is that overkill? Is that too much? I kind of feel like it is. Um, I don't know. One thing we do know for sure is that Julio Jones absolutely wants out of Atlanta uh, there was a photo of him floating around earlier this week of him in a Dallas Cowboy shirt, which think about the disrespect, man. Can you imagine anyone on our team? Like imagine Stefan Diggs rolling out uh, in a Jets jersey or something like that. That's just so disrespectful. And uh, honestly, 
as much as I've always admired uh, Julio Jones, I, I don't, I don't respect that move at all. I think that's pretty tacky. And, and uh, you know, there's a picture floating around in him. That's just not cool. And then a few days later, if you're listening to me, you probably know I have low tolerance for people who make bad faith arguments and argue things that they obviously don't believe. And that is Skip Bayless. And, you know, I don't necessarily feel that way about Shannon Sharp, but he's tied himself to that wagon. And so that show, Undisputed, I think is just absolute trash. And I never hear about it until I do something stupid like this week. They dialed up Julio Jones on air and basically asked him how things were going in Atlanta and if he was going to uh, Dallas. There's some people who think that he already knew that he was going to be on the air. Um, I don't know why they would have done. I'm not saying I put it past Skip Bayless. I think he's trash. And the stunt like this just seems like something he would do. But if you're Julio Jones, why do you do that? Uh, So I don't think this was a planned stunt. I really do think the call happened live on the air and it wasn't planned out because he was already walking around in a Dallas Cowboys shirt. So I don't know. I don't know where the logic is there. Um, but for reference, here's the clip. How do you know? They they want to get rid of him. By all accounts, they want him out. You, you, you They're me, done. You want me to call and ask him? We'll ask him. Yes, I, call, I do. I'll call him. Call him right now on the air. Put him on. I'll call him. Let's ask him, ask him if he wants to play for America's team. <laughs> okay. I'll let, I'll let you know. Give you a little. Why not? Okay. I hope he answers. Are we calling? Okay, we are calling. We're calling. calling. Hmm. You watching Julio? I really hope he answers here. Julio, have the guts to pick up the phone. (laughs) What's happening? Yeah. All right. Julio. Hold on, hold on. Put your. Jim, I got you. This is your favorite uncle. What's going on, bro? Man, nothing much. Got to go meet up with my brother. What's happening with you? Man, look, you want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? <laughs> oh man, nah, I'm out of there, man. You He's out? out. Of there? He's out of there. Oh, Are you going to? Ideally, where would you like to go? Um, uh, right now I'm just. I want to win. Okay. You know we don't go to Dallas. If you go to, you ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Nah, I, you already, I, man. Listen, come on, man. You already know. I know. Okay. <laughs> you remind him we're on television. Ask right him now? why wore the Dallas. Listen, listen. You know how people is, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture. Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Julio, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. You know I know my nephew was gonna pick up. Oh, yeah, nah, nah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't, going, I ain't going to Dallas, man. I never thought about going to Dallas. Okay. I appreciate that, bro. Enjoy the rest of your day. Now he might not yeah. have any choice. <laughs> I told you my nephew's huh? going to pick. I've been trying to tell you. Well, I've been trying to tell you he's out of there. He just said, I'm out of Atlanta. I knew he was out of there. Now it's up for Jared, up to Jerry Jones to make the game. Did he just deal. tell you he wanted to win and didn't want to go to Dallas? Anyway, I think that's a really lame move by Shannon and Skip. Um, to put that man on blast like that in a national audience when he, I think he didn't know that he was on the air. 
um, that could have had some really damaging repercussions for Julio. Uh, it could have hurt maybe some possible trade negotiations. It pissed off an entire fan base uh, in the Dallas Cowboys. And um, I think the IC Mikes reported that there could, I don't think it's likely, but there could be some sort of legal action taken there because they were in California. I don't know if that's true or not, but you could hear the lady in the background saying, remind them that he's on the air. You could also kind of feel uh, Shannon Sharp trying to get him off the phone real quickly once he got him on, because I think there was somebody in his ear telling him that this is not a good idea. Either way, uh, really shitty move, but I was inspired. I wanted to give it a shot. I think that having Julio Jones in my podcast would be great. So, I tried to give him a call myself. Hello, is Julio Jones available? This is Vince Taylor. Oh, why am I calling? Well, I wanted to ask him some questions when he didn't know that he was live on the air and then kind of put him on blast to my audience. Why would I do something like that? Mostly just because I'm a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's there. Great. Oh, oh, he's, he's telling me to fuck off. Oh, oh, I, I get it. I completely understand. I guess I shouldn't try to call back later then? No? No? Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Bills Mafia, that is all I have for you this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm very excited about the hot seat. I have my new one of the, well, some of the newest teammates here on the built in Buffalo network, the wandering Buffalo, Andrew and Justin. I love these guys. I like their vibe. I think they're very smart and they're, they kind of got some charm to them. So, uh, I hope you check out their podcast. You can find them right here on this network. They come out on Thursdays, the wandering Buffalo without further ado. Bills Mafia, I am super excited to have this guest on this week. New to the Built in Buffalo podcasting network, I have Justin and Andrew of the Wandering Buffalo. How are you guys doing tonight? We are doing great. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Well, I'm doing great at least. Yeah, just like Justin said, thank you for having us on the show. Uh, How are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to have you guys on. I've only listened to a few of your shows, but I kind of, I dig the vibe you guys are putting out there. And uh, I I like that you guys actually tried to do some different stuff because I feel like there's a lot of podcasts that are very similar. So I know today you guys had someone uh, maybe give you some negative feedback on the trivia. I actually enjoyed the trivia. I like listening to that. Thank you. Yeah, we had a blast doing the trivia. It was just kind of, you know, we're in that time of the football year where, everybody's talking about the same things and there's not that much to talk about. So just trying to come with some fresh ideas, give you something a little different to listen to. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Andrew, you got to up your trivia game, man. Yeah. You know, I, when we were practicing the logistics of how to do that episode beforehand, I was killing Justin in these just kind of hypothetical questions that Claire, the voice of the podcast was coming up with on the spot and when the lights came on, they were, they must've been just too bright for me. Cause I just crumbled. 
<laughs> I, I did not do well. <laughs> big time players make big time plays in big time games. <laughs> I guess so. I, I I'm not meant for it. <laughs> Andrew's not a closer. No, I'm not. I I always say I lo- I love the pressure, and I'm I'm a second half kind of guy, and it it just did not get proven there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well we're gonna but go I'm ahead and get started. That That's right. You got to get the bell back next time. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll go ahead and get started. As you guys know, I have ten questions in front of me. So Justin is at the top of my screen and uh, I'll let him pick first. And then Andrew, you can go next and we can just all talk about things for a few minutes. So which number would you like, Justin? You know, every time I listen to this segment, you got my choice would be seven, but everybody takes seven. So I'm going to go off the cuff here a little bit. I'm going with two. 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 Okay. I like this question. Cause I feel like there's a lot of different answers that are uh, feasible. So, I mean, do you think right now it's po- it's pre training camp and it's pre preseason? Do you do you project there to be a surprise cut on this roster? Oh, um, I personally would definitely project a surprise cut. Who it might be? I mean, I guess that's different different levels of what would be a surprise. Um, so for me. The first name that would come to mind would be Mario Edison. Uh, I think with his restructure and the way they like him in the locker room and all that, I don't think he's likely. Um, I'd say my biggest surprise would probably be Isaiah McKenzie. Um, They kind of signed him back to a a peanuts deal, and they've been bringing in competition left and right for that return slot. Um, you added a, a receiver that's got the speed dynamic that he has. Um, I think it kind of is Stevenson's job to win in training camp. And it, we might, McKenzie might be a guy that gets caught. That's, that's not a bad pick at all. That's exactly the definition of a surprise cut. And I, I can see it. You know, that, that would, uh, I mean, if, if I would say that it's easy and it's likely, then it wouldn't meet the definition of a surprise cut. But for McKenzie, the only reason I'm, I'm kind of doubting it would be because of punt returns. And I don't know if there's another guy in there that could do the punt returns, but that's what preseason is for too. Right. So you could figure that out in preseason, but that's, that's exactly the definition of a surprise cut. Andrew, what do you got? All right. So hear me out. Mitch Trebit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, he's not <laughs> on the team. <laughs> so I I had some time to think about this. And the first position that I thought about was defensive line, specifically interior defensive line, just because now when it comes to defensive ends and when you factor in those rookie contracts and you add it all up, it's kind of like, all right, I, I think we're going to keep all those defensive ends. I mean, we're not going to keep them all, but we know who the big ones are going to be in there. However, I think, uh, who, who did we just sign that, that free agent that played for Philly? Uh, his name is looting me right now, but all I know is that. Hey, yeah. And, and I know Joe Marino spoke highly of this man and he said it was, he was a very interesting player. So he's going to challenge. He's going to challenge Harrison Phillips and Justin Zimmer. Now, everyone loves Harrison Phillips, right? He's he's a stand-up guy. Everyone loves Justin Zimmer. He's high effort. The man runs 
significantly faster than all three of us. Uh, hence your intro. I, we should be a part of that intro, by the way. We're 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 not fast, at least I don't think so. <laughs> but I I could see someone like Harrison Phillips or Justin Zimmer getting cut, and and why it would be a surprise is because they have personal ties to us as fans. Like we just we view them at such high we have have such like high views of these people outside of football. So for me, I'm going with interior defensive line, specifically one of those two players. That's I agree with that too. And Harrison Phillips was a guy that when we drafted him, I was excited about him because he was the strongest guy at the combine. And Mm. many people don't remember this, but I don't want to say all the mock drafts, but there were a lot of mock drafts where you would start seeing his name creep up into the first round at the end, mid to late first round. And we got him in the third. So I thought, well, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's been hurt and it's not really worked out for him. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, we like him, you know, Harrison Phillips and uh, yeah, I I get it. And then that Trayvon Hester guy, I think he's going to have a spot. I think he's going to get a really hard look. Um, Mm -hmm. So I might even go as far as to say Vern Butler even though they just restructured him, I, I yeah. feel like he could be the odd man out. So yeah, I agree with you. I I was thinking about Vernon Butler, but I feel like just because he was willing to take that pay cut, that to what's your point again, that he's safe. And we, at this point, we all know who Vernon Butler is, right? He's inconsistent, but for whatever reason, this regime likes him and they were willing to keep him. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen because I, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the interior defensive line was playing out of position because of Starley Tule's absence. So maybe we see a little more value out of that contract coming this year, but who knows? Only time will tell. Yeah. I mean, that's what preseason's for. There's only so many spots on the roster. Someone's going to go. I know. All right, Andrew. Up next, you can have any number you like except two. All right, so Justin picked two. So do I do the obvious jab and go with the number one? No, I'm going to go with nine. Okay. And so we were just talking about the defense. Nah, there's no pressure. Come on, man. (laughs) Uh, We got nervous too. (laughs) We just talked about the defensive line. Right. Um, and, and who we think might be cut, but on the entire team, who do you think is going to lead the bills in sacks this year? Hmm. So I, when I, when I think about this defensive line, it's, it's compression style, right? That's what they want to do. They, this team values pass rush. So they want to keep players like Mahomes in that pocket and I, if I had to pick one player to get the most sacks, I I want to go at Oliver. If I'm going to pick a player for the most pressures, I'm going to go Jerry Hughes, or you know, maybe maybe uh, Mario Addison. Just just maybe he'll be play uh, play a little better now that he'll go on a lower snap count. So I'll have more gas in the tank, but yeah, those are my answers. If, if I'm thinking about pressures, 
Got to go with Jerry. Who's your daddy, right? Who's your daddy? I love that man. And if I got to <laughs> pick uh, sex, I I, I want to see I want to see Houston Ed Oliver come up again after sacking um, Deshaun Watson. Or or no, I'm thinking about the Thanksgiving game where he like hold up the rock sign. He's like, I'm from Houston in uh, Thanksgiving game. I, I want that Ed Oliver to shine again. I think we all do. I think we yeah. all do. Um, Justin, what do you got? Um, so kind of in the same boat as Andrew, but a, a different way of looking at it. Um, so I think Jerry Hughes still has a lot in the tank, but I don't think he's poised to lead the team in sacks. Um, but I think that the amount of pressures that he can generate from most quarterbacks blind sides, um, I think that compression style I think AJ Epinesa is really going to benefit from that this year. Um, I see a scenario where Mario Addison is kind of like this year's Trent Murphy, um, where he's kind of just the veteran that sticks around because you, if the next step doesn't happen for any of these players, you know exactly what you have in Addison. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at Epinesa taking over those snaps this year. Um, and I think he's going to benefit greatly from, Jerry Hughes coming off the blind side, forcing quarterbacks to roll towards Epinesa and him being in the position that he's supposed to be in, just pushing the tackle back and collapsing the pocket. And then all of a sudden there's a quarterback in his lap and he just has to finish the play. Um, from everything I've heard so far from training camps, they he's at the right weight. He looks great physically. He's playing well. And this is a guy we have to remember, you know, he was a second round pick last year in the weirdest season I've ever seen, you know, no, no mini camps, no preseason, like all of that stuff that was off the table. That's, you know, that these first steps for players coming into a whole different ball game. Um, so I think with a little bit of playing time experience last year, the benefit of all of the off season workouts this year, preseason, all of that, I think we see a huge leap from Epinesa this year. I, I, I can't disagree with that at all. Um, that would probably be my pick too. I, I still will argue and fight this battle with anybody that I think Jerry Hughes is the best pass rusher on the team. Um, but he ends up just scaring quarterbacks running the other way, right? He he gets a pressure. He doesn't usually get the sack. And some of that's on Jerry, but like it's, I don't want to, people, some Bills Mafia folks think like, well, he's not that good. And I just don't see that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also a little bit worried because, you know, he's not young anymore and this is where maybe you start seeing the drop off. And I think that's could be likely to, I'm, I'm, I'm not predicting it. I just think it's a possibility, but, um, like you say, Justin, if, if Jerry's doing his thing and Epinosa takes that step on the other side, that's going to be the sack leader. I think I agree with that. Right. And I, I'm sorry to butt in there, Justin, uh, I'm just thinking about Jerry Hughes and his production. And when it comes to older defensive ends, you don't really know when they fall off a cliff until they're already off the cliff. Right. And if you think about last season, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't our sack leader, uh, AJ Klein. Am I I wrong? No, I think you're right on the line. I mean, it it was, I think on the line it was uh, Mari Addison, but I, mm. 
I have a hard time predicting it. And nobody that I ask this question to ever predicts a linebacker to lead the team in sacks either. So I think that was kind of fluky. Yeah. So I, I mean, they just told the man run straight, but if, if anything, maybe, maybe that just tells us that, you know, this defensive line was having trouble getting home, which we all knew again, because the, some of the players were playing out of positions, but maybe, maybe it was a foreshadow that Jerry Hughes has got a foot off the cliff. I don't know. I don't want to believe that. I love the man. I plan on getting a Jerry Hughes uh, jersey sometime soon just because that he's pretty much the longest tenured bill on the team, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken either. So, yeah, okay. with, with Jerry Hughes for me is, I don't feel like he really lost much of a step last year. I think I think he wins his I think he wins his pass rush battles. Uh, I think he's effective at, at getting after the quarterback. Um, but the the league's getting faster and faster at getting the ball out of quarterbacks' hands, right? So mm-hmm. the sack numbers kind of end up harder to hit home all the time. And when you're having the inconsistent play across the rest of the line, I feel like it makes it even that much harder. So I'm looking at a season in which, you know, they, they kind of gel together more and maybe Jerry Hughes ends up with four sacks on the season, you know, not nothing gaudy in numbers, um, but still is doing his one 11th that helps everybody else contribute more. Um, And I don't think you have to be a 27 year old in your prime pass rusher to, to play the role that the bills need him to play in this defense. Yeah, I agree. If Jerry has his 2020 season again this year, mm-hmm. most people are going to be happy with that. And so there's going to be the Jerry haters out there, but I think people that are paying attention know better. Right. Yeah. You know what? Now I wish I could take my comment back. Cause I'm just thinking about that Denver game where he scooped up that sack by Trey or that uh, strip sack from Trey white ran into the touchdown. And I'm just thinking about Dion Dawkins, dribbling that helmet between his legs like a crossover and i'm just like damn that was awesome i want that (laughs) okay you guys have anything else um i'll throw i'll throw one question your way because it's uh something we kind of touched on 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 our episode that's going to be coming out this week um so you mentioned the the preseason a couple times and you know, everybody's got their opinions on the preseason. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, but for me personally, I've always loved the preseason for those extended looks at, at guys that you don't always get a chance to see, uh, especially on a team where our, our roster's kind of stacked. Um, and I, I really missed the preseason last year. So I was just wondering kind of your thoughts on where you stand with, with preseason games. Like, does that get you going or is it just kind of a waste of time for you? <laughs> so, Yes. <laughs> it's, it's both. Like at this point in the year, I'm just dying. Give me that first preseason game and give me my first taste of football. And I I'm just jonesing for it and I'm counting down the days. And then the game gets here. And then by the second possession, I'm like, yeah, this sucks. Give me real football. But um I I want to watch the whole thing because I want to have opinions on those end of the roster guys. And I want to, you know, I want to have a more solid opinion. So I do force myself to watch, even if I'm not enjoying it as much as I 
think I will be. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I, I guess I feel. I miss it a lot last year. I miss it so much last year. It was such a weird year, but right. I'm thinking about preseason and your question about the surprise mm-hmm. cuts. This team is so stacked. Realistically, there's going to be multiple surprise cuts and it wouldn't surprise me if during, during those later preseason games or later halves that we're going to see some standouts and we're going to fall in love with them. You know how Bill's mafia goes, Brandon Riley, Duke Williams, you know, you know who I'm talking about. And next thing you know, you, you see the cut and then everyone kind of goes up in arms. So who I, there's I'm one excited. every year. I'm excited for preseason because I get to see those players, but I'm not excited for that. <laughs> so I, I know that it's not Madden. So I don't, I don't want to maybe give you that impression. That's a, that's the way I'm looking at this. But, oh no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, like the, the end of the roster guys that like, man, we are stacked at, mm-hmm. I don't know, defensive tackle three techs. Maybe instead of cutting Justin Zimmer, we can flip him for a six or something. So I, I do get excited about mm. those kind of things. I love but, those transactions. Yeah. Whew. Well, Justin, I I don't have any personal questions uh, for our buddy Vince here, except for when can we have you on our show? And when are you going to challenge Justin for the belt? Because <laughs> somebody's got to get And if you don't know what I'm talking about, we did a trivia episode. And I got destroyed and Justin has like this WWE style belt. And I have a good feeling that Vince can take that belt from Justin. I'm accepting all challengers. We might have to team up and take him down. Can we do a two on one? Oh, absolutely. Bring oh, out the cage. Tag, tag team match, huh? <laughs> Generation X. <laughs> You're going to be hitting me with chairs and stuff. <laughs> Now, anytime you guys want, there there will be a week coming up in in June where I will be unavailable. Uh, but anytime, you know, I I live and work at home, so I'm always sitting in my man cave slash office slash podcast studio. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> anytime you guys want, you just let me know. For right. sure, we'll be well, in touch. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, having us on the show, Vince. We really appreciate the opportunity, and again, I'm so excited to be a part of the network. Because we're side, we're working side by side, and that's 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 awesome in my my book. Yeah, I'm excited. You guys are. I, I like your vibe, and like I said, I, I like the stuff you're putting out, and I'm I'm happy to have you guys on the network and as teammates. And for those that are listening, this is the Wandering Buffalo. You can find them on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network, and their day out is Thursdays, which is today. So make sure you check them out. Guys, I appreciate it. We'll be in touch soon. Welcome to the team. Hey, go Bills. Thanks. Go Bills. Go Bills. Bills Mafia, that is all I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I appreciate you tuning in and spending your Monday with me right here on the Built-in Buffalo Network. I look forward to talking to you all next Monday. Have a great Memorial Day. Until then, squeeze somebody close to you and go Bills. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. 
Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. Dump out, dump out. Hello, Edward. Ron, I've got to fire you. Well, I've got to fire you. Bing, boom, boom. You're fired, Ed. <laughs> Do you even know what you just said? <gasps> oh, great Odin's Raven. Are you happy, Ron? <sighs> Veronica, she put that in the teleprompter. You're probably right, but this is bad, Ron. Real bad. My hands are tied. I, I got to fire you. Ed. Let's hold on, let's, let's count to 10, all right? That's a rash decision, okay? Is this about something else? If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too! Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. It's over. Go home. Go.